0: It is not mentioned much nowadays that, for the United States, World War II began with a series of dismissals across the top ranks of the military. Less than two weeks after the attack on Pearl Harbor in December 1941, Admiral Husband Kimmel and Army Lieutenant General Walter Short were jettisoned from their posts atop the American military establishment in the Pacific, along with Major General Frederick Martin, Short's air commander, Even less remembered is that Kimmel, who once had been an aide to assistant secretary of the Navy Franklin D. Roosevelt, held the post only because his predecessor, Admiral James Richardson, had been fired by the President a year earlier. The following year, the commander of one of the first Army divisions to fight the Japanese, the 32nd Division's Major General Edwin Harding, was relieved by General Douglas MacArthur along with many of his regimental and battalion commanders. When Lieutenant General George Kenney arrived to take over the air operation in the Pacific in mid-1942, his first act was to remove five generals he deemed to be Deadwood, along with forty colonels and lieutenant colonels. Admiral Harold Stark, the Navy's top officer, was ousted from his post in March 1942. He was hardly alone. One-third of the Navy's submarine captains were relieved during the first year of the war. On the North African Front, where American soldiers first fought the Germans, the senior tactical commander of those forces, Major General Lloyd Fredendall, was fired. The officer presiding over this dynamic and ruthless system of personnel management was General George C. Marshall, who, back in Washington, was winnowing the ranks of the Army forcing dozens of generals into retirement because he believed they were too old and lacking in energy to lead soldiers in combat. "'I hate to think that fifty years from now practically nobody will know who George Marshall was,' President Franklin Delano Roosevelt remarked to General Dwight Eisenhower one day in Tunisia during World War II. FDR was correct. Though rarely memorialized by the public today, George Marshall not only was the senior American general of World War II, he was, effectively, the founding father of the modern American armed forces. Under him, the United States for the first time developed a superpower military, a status it has retained for the past seven decades. Far more than George Patton, Douglas MacArthur, or even Dwight Eisenhower, this coolly impersonal man, as his subordinate, Albert Widemeyer called him, shaped the military of his time so profoundly that his work lives on into the twenty-first century, sometimes evident in the way army leaders have operated in Iraq and Afghanistan. Specifically, Marshall's unusual and very American concept of what sort of person constitutes a good general still influences the promotions today's leaders bestow on younger officers— It would be difficult to understand today's army without knowledge of Marshall's career, and especially his powerful sense of duty and honor. Marshall formally became Chief of Staff of the U.S. Army on September 1, 1939, the day Germany invaded Poland. Things look very disturbing in the world this morning, he wrote in a thank-you note to George Patton's wife. Such understatement reflected the man. It is not unfair to call Marshall colorless. He might have taken it as a compliment, as an implicit recognition that he did his duty even at the cost of personal advancement. He intentionally left no memoir of his service leading the military during the nation's greatest war. There is no weapon or installation named for him, as there is a Bradley fighting vehicle and an Abrams tank. Indeed, In the snowy reaches of remote northern New York, there is even a Fort Drum honoring General Hugh Drum, the stubborn, pompous, occasionally ignorant officer who inexplicably had been Marshall's leading rival for the Army's top slot. There is no Fort Marshall. George Marshall was born in Uniontown, Pennsylvania, fifteen years after the end of the Civil War. In 1901, He graduated from the Virginia Military Institute, where he marched before Stonewall Jackson's widow. He soon joined the army, which then was recovering from its low...